WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA, the podcast where two best friends talk about comics with the people who make them. I'm Dan Grote. And I'm Matt Lazowitz. And this week's guest is one of the writers behind Star Wars Hyperspace Stories, the new volume of the Batman and Scooby-Doo Mystery, and the writer of the upcoming Darkwing Duck series from Dynamite, Amanda Dybert. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you. So uh, let's let's start off. I, I know we already kind of talked about Election Day stuff off mic, but how was your Halloween? Are you uh, family group costume people or, or every member for themselves? No, we are. We are family group costume people and our uh, costumes are always dictated by our daughter because um, we have we have one child. So she gets to decide. So this year, uh, she wanted to be Agnes from Despicable Me, and then my wife, Kat Staggs, and I were both minions. Um, so a little bit of typecasting, doing her bidding, <laughs> and, and so that's that's how we went this year. But we always do a, a family costume of some sort. That is that is fantastic. We actually, I don't think we've, we haven't done group costumes as a family yet, but well, until... This year, we all did dress as uh, Stranger Things characters, and then there were Fine. other like families in the neighborhood that got in on it. So you know, we had enough for like a group photo uh, at the beginning of trick or treating, which was uh, a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, well, let's let's start with uh, the first time guest question. You know, what are some of the first comics that you remember reading? Um, I started out like my earliest comic memories were definitely Archie Digest. So Betty and Veronica specifically, but all of the Archies, um, they sold them in our grocery store growing up. And it was like a way that mom could keep me chill and happy at the grocery store was I got to pick out, you know, whatever Archie's Digest I wanted and then like read it all the way home. So that's, that was like my, my first and fondest early memory of comics by far. And since we're going to be talking a lot of animation tonight, what cartoons did you jam on as a kid? Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, I was really into the classic Looney Tunes. I also loved the Pink Panther cartoon. Um, I was into Animaniacs. Um, all the all the Saturday morning typical good stuff back when Saturday morning cartoons were a thing, for sure. <laughs> Before you could watch them anywhere at any time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> Back in my day. <laughs> it was a sometimes food. But uh yeah, so let's let's start off, you know, a lot, lot of stuff going on, but let's let's start off talking about Darkwing Duck, which you are launching at Dynamite in January with artist Carlo Loro and uh unsurprisingly gorgeous covers by David Nakayama. Uh yeah. this was announced after we booked you so congratulations to us on good timing and congratulations to you on on uh getting this gig uh i saw that you know it was even the uh the cover of previews the most recent issue of previews uh but i also saw the magazine misspelled your name a bunch it happened you know this is the thing when you've got my last name is pronounced dibert but it's spelled ei because of the german thing so like yes my last name was misspelled which was like Sort of a bummer because, like you said, cover of previews, and they did a lovely interview. Um, so I'm just thrilled. I'm I'm thrilled that we're doing it. I'm thrilled with the book. It was really fun to be the cover of previews. Uh, that's something that has never happened uh, for a project of mine before. So that was uh, very thrilling and exciting for me, for sure. 
that that's excellent. And yeah, no, dynamite is also in this very interesting period where they've begun mining our our collective childhoods because there's the Darkwing book, there's Gargoyles is coming out with Greg Weissman writing. They're they've got Garbage Pail Kids series now, so you know we're really we're really diving uh, deep here. Um, it's probably time to revive the book GoBots again. I don't know. <laughs> But, uh, you know, Darkwing is a property that, for the most part, has has kind of lain fallow for 30 years. You know, it's been talk of a reboot since the DuckTales reboot. And you had that cameo in the the Rescue Rangers movie. But so far that that that's been it, you know, Uh, given that, like how much leeway, I guess, do you get to sort of play with things? You know, how, how closely is is the mouse watching Dynamite comics? Um, well, I'm, it, it's really exciting. It was, I was given kind of like, give us a pitch. So it was, I was, it was very open. Um, but obviously when you're doing something like this, that is so deeply nostalgic and that people love, like, I don't want to throw out the thing that everybody loves. Like it's Darkwing Duck is coming back. Like that's what people want to see. So that's Mm -hmm. what I want to give. So I've got tons of cameos of like all the old villains and the the you know your main cast of characters like the the characters that you want to see are going to be there I mean of course there's going to be some it's for a modern audience so like it's going to feel like slightly different than the one that we grew up with in just that that's what we you know entertainment has changed storylines have changed like i'm going a little deeper into some of the drake mallard side of things than maybe the the animated series touched on um while still having lots of like the fun that makes darkwing darkwing so like the the parody and the ridiculousness and the slapstick and the silly and the like he's a really good hero but he also kind of messes everything up you know so you you get you get the fun because Ultimately, I want to respect the nostalgia of it because that's what I like about it, too. You know, I mean, this is also a a cartoon that I grew up with, that my sisters grew up with. So it's it's fun to kind of get to play in that world, do some new things, but also have a lot of time and energy for the the fun things that everybody wants. You mentioned it briefly in there, but one of the things that I was curious about is how you balance that at times almost incompetent Darkwing the one who's so full of himself that he thinks he's the best thing ever versus making him able to actually pull this stuff off. Cause he's not incompetent. He's just a little too arrogant. Well, yeah, that's the thing. His ego is, you know, as with most of us, you know, a lot of times your greatest strength is also your greatest weakness. So he knows he's very good, which is what allows him to be so daring and do all these things and get dangerous But that's also the thing that, like, can make him kind of obnoxious and sometimes cause his own demise. So it is it is the fun thing to get to play with, which is that, like, this egomaniac sometimes needs to be put in check a little bit or get some reality and realize, like, other people are affected by his actions. And maybe he should think about that sometimes um, or let other people help him or do things. So, you know, it's. It's it's the fun of the mixed bag, but I love his arrogance is is a really fun thing to play with as a writer for sure. What is what is the funnest part of writing Darkwing, and why is it coming up with the stuff that comes after he declares himself the terror that flaps in the night? I mean, obviously, that is the most fun part, right? Like you get to sit there and do the like, I am the blank that does the blank, and that's 
Um, you can do that all night and it's very fun. I actually, I have a <laughs> notebook going with the kind of that I am the bubble gum that sticks to the, the, you know, shoelace of evil or whatever, like <laughs> that kind of stuff. Like I just, I do, I have pages of just that, that I can put in and, you know, it's the fun of like, do you make it fit the circumstances or do you just do something that's crazy? Like the cheese that gets on the roof of the pizza box, you know? So it's, that yeah, that is the most fun part for sure by miles. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's like coming up with the thing that Pinky is pondering and a Pinky in the brain. Exactly, exactly. So yes, it that is for sure fun, and that was the thing that like when it finally got announced, and um, especially my friends who are dads my age found out that it was happening. Like that's all they <laughs> wanted to talk about was what the next like thing in the saying was going to be and I was like look you guys go ahead you can pitch me everything maybe I'll put it in maybe I won't. <laughs> <laughs> so I I had this thought the other day which which feels like one of those thoughts that you can only have as an adult who is still obsessing over the media that you consumed as a child but you know Darkwing is is very much is is kind of Disney's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in that it's another take on funny animals standing in as commentary on the darker comics of the mid 80s. So whereas, you know, the turtles were an answer to Frank Miller's Daredevil, Darkwing was an answer to Frank Miller's Batman. Uh, Matt, maybe maybe you remember this. I don't know. Was there an episode of Darkwing that actually was a direct parody of Dark Knight Returns? Or am I like Mandela affecting myself? I feel like there was an episode where they go to the future and Darkwing has gone full fash. There is pretty close. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Goslin, they, they never use the word, but Goslin dies and Darkwing goes all dark. It's basically what if Jason Todd's death turned Batman into his minor threats, the book from Patton Oswalt and uh, Jason Bloom, where oh. the death of Jason Todd sends Batman down a real dark path. That's yeah. Okay, because I was like I was like scrolling through episodes to see if I could find the thing that I, I, you know, what was only half remembering. And then I then I realized, oh, my God, this goes on forever because seasons back then were like 50 million episodes. (laughs) I got there's a there's a lot of them. But, yeah, that one, they they got around the death thing with a with a time travel component. And so then she goes to the future and sees that he's uh, very dark and terrible. And then she has to try to work to help him find himself again and that ends up going back in time and something well well there we go um so when when you're coming into a licensed property with this you know whether it's it's Darkwing or or star wars or dc superhero girls you know what is the research process for you are you you know binging a ton of episodes do you get access to like the secret story bible you know are there elves that do parts of this for you I wish there were elves that do parts of this for me. That would be amazing. Um, no, it's what you said. Now, with some properties and with some things, uh, sometimes I do get access to things in advance. Like, um, for example, when I did uh, some comics for DC Super Pets, mm-hmm. I was able to read the script before the film came out because my comics needed to come out around the same time sure. as the film. So I I read the film before I think even the trailer had come out, um, which was cool. Um, and and sometimes that happens or I'll get if I'm doing something like DC Superhero Girls or Teen Titans Go or something, sometimes I'll get episode scripts if it if I need it for, you know, like, oh, we're introducing this new character and it needs to be in your book. Um, or sometimes I'll get like, you know, show Bibles or that kind of thing. 
Um, and with Lucasfilm, obviously, they've got a whole team of people who are ready to just like help you figure out anything you need. Oh, this person would definitely use this spaceship during this time. Because, you know, the, with, the, with the Lucas universe particularly, mm-hmm. there is just so much that as much as you deep dive, you really do need like the research group that is there to be like, oh, here, let us tell you this answer to this question, which is great. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of binge watching, binge reading, catching up on things. I mean, like for Darkwing, obviously, I went back and rewatched Darkwing because I I couldn't even really come up with a pitch until I had done that. You know what I mean? Like, um, mm-hmm. And and it helps you with the the voices of the characters and and remembering things and then you know it's the same with um, when I'm doing like hyperspace stories for Star Wars uh, you know with each character grouping that I'm doing with each of those stories I'm usually doing some sort of deep dive research onto that character so sometimes reading the novels sometimes you know watching whether it's Clone Wars or rewatching movies or whatever is going to help me with whichever you know part of the franchise that I'm dealing with. So it's a lot of research. Luckily, that's fun. Um, And when it's kids content, I have a seven-year-old. So then they have the added bonus of being like, do you want to help mommy work? Let's watch a bunch of Darkwing Duck. So she has a very skewed idea of what work is. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, work is binge watching cartoons. Cool. That that's always fun though when you can when you can share that thing that you know maybe you grew up loving you know with your I mean you know of course like let them go out and and explore you know their their own media within safe bounds but you know like I I'll tell you what uh we watched this past weekend we watched the Weird Al movie with mm. my son who's eleven and that's it like that's all he's listening to now that's awesome. <laughs> And I'm just like, I, my wife, uh, it, it, it's an, I told you so moment because she, she always sees that stuff and then turns to me and says, you were afraid that your son was going to be a jock and you weren't going to know how to relate to him. And now <laughs> look at him. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. So, you know, working on the series, uh, you know, having gone back and watched, you know, some of the originals, you know, who is a character from Darkwing that you feel like needs a bump or a pop, you know, some, somebody who could have used more or maybe a little bit uh, deeper enriching. Mm. I don't, I mean, I don't know. I'm going to use Morgana um, quite a bit because she's one of my favorites. Um, Mm. So I I have, I have great plans um, for that particular romantic relationship, because that one, I feel like it was always like in the, in the cartoon, which again, period, it was always her kind of like waiting around for Darkwing to really commit and Darkwing being like, Oh babe, I'm trying to be a hero over here. Like Mm -hmm. I, even though she's still a really fun, cool character, I feel like there's a little more to do there. So like, I'm excited about that one. Um, Goslin is just one of my faves because she's just great. Um, the Muddlefoot family is fun and definitely is there. I, d- I don't know. I think um, I think everybody's going to get a l- l- hopefully I get to get into them a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I don't know if there's anybody that I, besides Morgana, I don't know if there's anybody that I'm like. Oh, if only. <laughs> so. Yeah. 
did you watch the recent DuckTales reboot? I've watched some of it. I haven't watched all of it. Okay, so have you seen any of the DW stuff there? I have not watched the DW stuff there. I should, but I haven't. I, I will say nothing. <laughs> I will just say as a big DW fan, two thumbs up. Great, great. I, I will say this isn't any sort of story po- spoiler or anything like that, but just Jason Manzukis does an incredible steel beak. That's it. That that makes perfect sense to me. You are also working as one of the writers on Batman and Scooby-Doo Mysteries. Yes. Uh, I, I'm a huge fan of the recent Batman Scooby-Doo team up in the Scooby-Doo team up. This thing DC has been running on and off for quite a while now. Um, but so here's a question that I've been pondering aside from the nostalgia, what makes Batman and Scooby-Doo work so well together? Well, I mean, you've got, you've got detectives, right? And I think the fun of it is detectives that approach uh, their detective work in very different manners. You know, you've got the, I, I just think it's the fun of the juxtaposition of like the kind of silly Scooby gang and then like Batman who takes everything very seriously. And like, that's, it's very fun. You want that combination. You want them working together or helping each other out or getting in each other's way as the case may be. And as much as, you know, maybe we think of Batman as a loner, he also has his whole gang that he does things with, with just about as many characters. So it's, <laughs> it, it lends itself to a lot of, uh, a lot of opportunities. And then you get the whole rogues gallery of all his villains as well. And having the Scooby gang interact with them is also pretty fun. How awesome is it that Velma is now canonically queer? I mean, mystery I'm so excited about that. Yeah, I mean, mystery Inc. Pretty much did a Claremontian gal pals with her and Marcy, but now it's, you know, flat out canon on the screen. And that's great. I was really excited. I was the day that 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 the news story came out that that was going to be it. So like before I had watched it, but like when it was announced that that was where they were going with it, I was actually sitting at home writing a Batman and Scooby-Doo script. And then, you know, big part of my writing process is procrastinating and scrolling on Twitter. And so I was doing that. Whose is it? And saw that. And I was like, this is the best day ever. I'm sitting outside drinking coffee, writing Batman and Scooby-Doo. And Velma's a lesbian and I'm a happy lesbian. So, yeah, that was a great, it was a great day. <laughs> uh, and there was much rejoicing. Uh, now, as we've mentioned, you know, you you have you have a daughter. You know, you get to sort of do your research, uh, you know, and involve her in that process. How much does she serve also as like an in-house focus group? You know, when you're doing younger skewing work. Um, sometimes she does. I mean, I think also just like being around her and her friends and her peers kind of keeps me in that mindset where like I'm very up on you know for one thing I'm very up on uh, like all children's media, the books, the TV shows, the cartoons, because I'm watching whatever she's watching with her and, you know, hearing what they're talking about. So I think it helps keep me kind of in that mindset of that age group. And then, but she will, she will um, give feedback or she'll hear me talking to my wife, Kat, about like some plot point or something. And then she's like, oh, and then what happens? Or what if this happens with it? Like she does like to, she does like to chime in and give me her thoughts, which is really great. That's great. <laughs> Now, uh, you know, in addition to to all this stuff, I wanted to make sure that we mentioned you also have uh, a book coming out uh, next month called uh, you, Al- you Already Have the Answers, a Gratitude Journal, uh, out December 6th, wherever you get your books. 
Uh, I'm going to read the blurb real quick for folks who may not be familiar. Uh, acclaimed writer Amanda Dibert uses her own life experience to illustrate that endings are new beginnings and that our lives are full of lessons and wisdom we may not even know we have. Uh, think of Amanda Dibert as part Mr. Rogers, part foul mouth, cool aunt. Love that, by the way. And her questions are curated around a different theme each month. Throughout 365 prompts, this journal is a guide to discovering just how much you already know, how much you have to be grateful for, and how much you are so much stronger and braver than you think. So how did this project come about? You know, what inspired you to to do this? Well, like I said, a big part of my procrastination is being on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And um, about, what, seven years ago in 2016, I, um, you know, I don't the last few years have been kind of rough for everybody. I don't know if you guys have noticed. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> and so in 2016, in the first of many shit shows that became the last few years, um, I was just trying to kind of think of a way to tailor social media into the kind of thing that I wanted it to be. And so I started asking questions that were kind of geared toward gratitude so, um, you know, asking people, you know, first flat out, like, what's something you're grateful for, but then trying to be a little bit sneaky in getting people to reflect on the good things. So it's like, you know, like, what's something that you're proud to have survived? So acknowledging that we've all been through hard things, that life can completely suck sometimes, but there have been people or things about ourselves or whatever that have gotten us through, you know, the kindness of strangers, all these things. So I started asking questions about those things. And I thought a few people would answer and whatever, like I wasn't really looking for it to be a big thing, but what happened was that like thousands of people started answering and it started going really viral. And then I kept doing it. And then when I would stop, people would be like, Amanda, where are your questions? I look forward to your questions every day. They're like the bright spot on my feed. And so I kept doing it. And then I've been doing it now for years and, you know, the, like articles were written about it and people started making like friendships and connecting because the interesting thing was um, that trolls weren't coming into those feeds. So like what's super interesting is if you look through those questions, you'll see people being like, oh, my gosh, that reminds me of something similar that happened to me when I also got in a car accident or, oh, my, you know, my father passed away around that same time. And, like people start connecting with each other and like being really open, really vulnerable and then people were like, you should share these stories in a book. And I didn't feel comfortable taking other people's stories mm -hmm. and, and doing that. Like that didn't feel ethical to me. And so what I did instead was created this journal where I have some of my own thoughts and even some of my own answers to some of the questions at the beginning of every month. And I've kind of divided them up into themes. And then there's a question every day for you to reflect on and then you can do it with people and share your answers or just have it as like a personal thing. But what will happen is all the questions, even if they're about something hard, are also geared toward having you reflect on um, the parts of yourself that are amazing to have like withstood it or gotten through it or the people that were there for you during that time or the ways that like maybe you're different from your family of origin in ways that you're proud of, you know. And so it's really about taking some time to realize that even in the middle of the shitstorm, like there are some things that are good. And that's that's where it came from. That is that is fantastic. And also fantastic that, uh, you know, the fact that you were able to find a way to create engagement on Twitter that did not invite uh, normal. We'll call it normal Twitter behavior. 
<laughs> well, that was the surprising thing of, you know, like, it, it's just like, you know, like I said, I've been doing this since 2016. It's almost 2023. And it just has never had that weird trolley element. And I think it's because people are being so open and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and, and because they are not, um, they're not inherently political. They're not inherently, but I mean, things don't have to be, you know how it is. You can say, <laughs> I like cucumbers and somebody will be like, why the fuck do you hate oranges? And you're like, <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting. And I don't really know why it's worked as well as it has. Just, just sitting here thinking about, you know, especially sort of the Twitter aspect of this now that we're sort of entering this scary, brave new world and, and, you know, people worried about blue check marks and trying to explain Mastodon to each other. Like we've, we've all suddenly become, uh, each other's, uh, technophobic, uh, grandparents, not that I'm, <laughs> you know, looking to migrate to any new platforms. I never even got on Instagram, but, uh, it's just it's just something um you know was was journaling something that you had practiced prior to this yes i mean i as as a writer and just i've always been a person who journaled sometimes more frequently than others but throughout my life i've always had a journal my mother uh, was a big journaler when she was alive um and i still have some of her old journals and they're very meaningful to me so it's always been um kind of a part of me. And I think there's something about a guided journal that makes it a little easier because sometimes staring at a blank page can feel really overwhelming or intimidating. It's like, what do I even put on it? So the idea of like, you just have to answer one question and it doesn't have to be, you know, it can be a big long answer, but it can also be a sentence or a couple words and that's fine too. You wrote uh, the first issue of Star Wars Hyperspace Stories, the uh, new all-ages Star Wars book from Dark Horse. Welcome back, Dark Horse, to the Star Wars game. Uh, How did that gig come about? Um, That I was really fortunate that they reached out to me, and um, I was an enthusiastic yes. And it's been been really fun. I've got another – the next – the next issue that I wrote, which is issue five, which is a Chewbacca and Ray story, will be out in December. Um, that's going to be a Life Day story, which I'm really excited about. Um, <laughs> I am the person who begged for the Life Day story. I was like, please give me the Life Day story. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm, I have questions, but I'm not coming up with them yet. <laughs> I mean, I'm really excited. Um but yeah, so it, that one's been really fun because I, I've, and I've then I've got a couple more that I can't say who they're going to be yet. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's been a, it's been a super fun and interesting project to be on that I and my first time getting to write for anything Star Wars, so I was thrilled. That first issue was a tale of the Clone Wars. Was that a case of okay, you're doing issue one, we want you to do the Clone Wars, or did they say? You've got issue one. What would you like to write? It um so how it was divided up as the three writers, uh Cecil, Michael, and I all were um we were given a list of pairings of uh particular character pairings, and we were each asked to choose which ones appealed to us. And so we all submitted, and then I I'm sure that 
um, we all at least lost out on like one pairing that we, you know, but they tried to give everybody something that we were interested in. And we came up with an overarching story of how that would all connect because it's not chronological, but we came up with a chronological story that's kind of a through line. So you get the issues, but then once they're all together, if you kind of were to rework them chronologically, there's like another story being told, um, which was really fun for us to come up with together. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Anakin and Obi-Wan were a pairing that I requested. And that is the first, that was the first issue. So that's how when I was just, the idea was I just needed to use those two characters in a story. Um, and then I, so I came up with the pitch that was ultimately that story. And then that's how it went. So it was less, it's less about when something happens chronologically and more about two characters together and their dynamic, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you have a favorite obscure Jedi that you'd like to to write? Not just, you know, Obi-Wan or Anakin, but, you know, deep dive into Quinlan Voss or Kiari Mundi. Um, I tried to do something with Ayla Sakura. Um, was not able to because of other things with other stories that I can't even talk about yet. <laughs> so that would be my answer. So I uh, mentioned this already. You, you've got a Life Day story uh, set on Kashyyyk coming up. Um, I'm not asking this because I'm looking for spoilers. I'm just kind of curious in terms of, you know, what is considered canon and not anymore. Is is Chewbacca's family from the 1978 Star Wars holiday special still in play? Uh, you know, I, I, I'm generally just wondering, you know, if Lucasfilm has capital F feelings about Itchy and Lumpy and their friend Art Carney, who sometimes hangs out with them. <laughs> um, I will say one family member shows up specifically. And that's all I could say about that. Mm -hmm. But it's not, this is definitely not a revisit of the special because this is a Ray and Chewbacca story. So this takes place much farther in the future. Everyone's older. It's, this mm -hmm. is definitely like a different story. So this is not going to be like a nostalgic life day jam that's going to remind you of the special other than the fact that like life day is, is a part of it. And that's why they're mm -hmm. there in the first place um so yeah that's what i can say about that <laughs> but i was i was just really excited because i was like oh yes let me do like the fun holiday thing that everybody makes fun of and i'm just gonna like go in and like we have a story and there's action but like also i'm gonna go all in with the life day like completely so uh yeah it's 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 a holiday special is what it is that's that is that is fantastic. I, I have the warm fuzzies right now. I'm just picturing B. Arthur singing to all those drunks in the cantina. Uh, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a wild thing! But uh, let's 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 talk uh, DC stuff real uh, at this point. So you've got a story in the upcoming. Uh, you know, we're already looking ahead to 2023 now. Uh, Harley Quinn romances anthology for Valentine's mm -hmm. Day, which whoever at DC named that good job, A plus, well done. Um, what are you able to say about you know which story is yours and, and what artist uh, you got to work with for that? I 
don't know what I'm allowed to say about that. I'm like sitting here trying to think about what I have been told exactly that I can and cannot say. Um, I, cause I don't know if I'm allowed to say who even my pairing is in the romance. So I will say that Harley Quinn romances is obviously a pun on Harlequin romances. So it does mm-hmm. not mean that Harley Quinn is in every story. I will say she is not, she does not appear in mine. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's not all romances featuring Harley Quinn, but it is romances featuring DC characters. Um, so Adriana Mello is the artist. It's oh. gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, that I can say. I can say it's gorgeous. It's fun. <laughs> um, I involve two different uh, superheroes and then also two um, people who are not heroes <laughs> popular in the DC world. This is like, I'm like, I don't know what I can say. So it becomes like so generic. Um, the red dot, ha- the red laser dot has not appeared on your forehead. Yet, I know. So. I know. I'm like, <laughs> like looking over my shoulder. I'm like, am I allowed to say? I'm just not sure if I'm allowed to say who <laughs> falls in love with whom or what happens. So I will just say that it was really fun. And it was fun mm-hmm. to have like, hey, will you take this character and come up with some romance pitches? And you're like, oh, okay. Because you know, straight up romance is not something that like we often get to do in the superhero space specifically um, sometimes, but it, so it was fun to be able to, to do that in, in a one-off story. Sure. Absolutely. Um, one thing I wanted to ask about, so you wrote the, the comic or, or, or comics that, were based on the direct TV ads where Serena Williams wore a Wonder Woman yes. costume. Now, now obviously, you know, you you do you work with a lot of licensed properties. This is, you know, it's it's a it's a gig like like any other, but you know, what kind of I guess like prompts or or sort of material do they give you to work with when it's like we want we want somebody to do this. Yeah, so that project, I mean, like you said, it's pretty unique and interesting because you've got DC and Wonder Woman. Then you've got Serena Williams, who is, you know, a, an empire in herself. And then you've got DirecTV. Mm-hmm. So you've got, uh, you know, three pretty powerful uh, lords who are overseeing you and you need <laughs> to make all of them happy. I got to work with my wife, Kat Staggs, on that one. So she was the illustrator. Uh, huh. So that was fun. And made it nice because when we work together, then we're both in the house. We can, you know, show each other things, bad ideas back and forth. So like that makes it very nice. Um, But yeah, so it was, you know, at first, obviously it was the ads and it was like come up with some pitches. They had for that, they had some concepts already that like direct TV had some concepts for the things. And so did... um, Serena's camp and then DC had some certain things that like we could or could not do. Mm-hmm. And so they gave me all of that first to go through. And then from there I developed a pitch and then submitted that. Then they gave the feedback, then it's the script. And then it's the same thing. You've got to go through everybody's feedback on the script. So you've got to get through like DC and sometimes the notes contradict, you know, like it's mm-hmm. like, you know, direct TV wants to do one thing and 
DC is like, yeah, we're not going to do that with Wonder Woman, you know, so it becomes and then Serena also, you know, is wants to be careful with the way that like her image is used as a real person in this fictional space. You have to be sure. very respectful that this is a real human being who has her own opinions and thoughts and, you know, and also same, you know, with Kat as the artist who's going to look at and approve and make sure that she feels comfortable with the way that she's drawn and that she looks like herself. And luckily Kat's incredibly good with likeness, which is very helpful in a situation like this. Um, So it is, it's a little more, it's more hoops than normal. You know, normally when you're working on a comic book, you're working with like your editor and like whatever group at, you know, like you're working with like Lucasfilm or like the DC people. And then that's kind of it. With this, there were a lot more, you know, everything takes a little longer to get approved. You're going to get more notes because everybody has notes. Then you've got to decipher the contradicting notes and figure out a compromise that's going to mostly make people happy. Or when you have to tell somebody like, sorry, we just can't do that. Um, but it was it was really fun to do. I mean, it's, it's such a like weird and cool thing to get to do. Now, given all those layers, you know, that octopus's legs worth of, of oversight, does that did that change the amount of lead time you got for it or you know was the deadline <laughs> still the deadline oh god i wish <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely the things where there's like i mean and even with like it's worse for the artists always because they'll be like you know yeah we have to upload this tomorrow but also on page three every single phase needs to be redrawn so get that in um so yeah i wish that lead time was ever a factor in anything um but it 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 just isn't um it, what happens is that you just uh you just work <laughs> <laughs> i'm always so thrilled when i have something that has like a huge long deadline like when i'm doing um i'm I've worked with Scholastic a couple of times in their graphic novels and they do things like way out in advance. Mm -hmm. And it's such, it feels like such a crazy luxury because they'll be like, yeah, write this graphic novel and you've got like three months to do it. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I have three months to write 60 pages. My goodness. Like, so it's, it's, it's really nice. Um, when I work on something that does have leeway, honestly. It, it's, you know, it, it's funny. I think folks, you know, working in traditional comics or reporting on traditional comics are still sort of getting used to this graphic novel market, which is becoming a bigger and bigger slice of the pie. But like, you know, you hear a book is is announced like, oh, it, it this is coming out like, I don't know, six months from now, eight months, you know, eight months to a year from now. We're so used to that sort of like hamster wheel of the three month cycle of, you know. Oh, this is coming out in December. Oh, it's FOC. You got to pre-order it, you know. And then, meanwhile, you know, you're just sort of feverishly uh, working away on all that stuff. So, yeah, <laughs> it's a big difference. Yeah. You mentioned working with Cat on uh, uh, serving up justice. You know, you've you've worked together before, obviously. You know, mm -hmm. uh, married and all that. You know, what is making stuff? with your wife like for you versus you know working with other collaborators it's great uh because we have a shorthand you know it's like when i'm writing a script and i know cat's gonna draw it i i don't have to worry about like making sure that i'm very clear that it needs to be like super because i know that she's gonna understand what i mean and um and i know that it's gonna be great 
And I mean, to be fair, most of the people I work with, I'm very fortunate that I'm working at a level in which like I get paired up with incredible artists all the time. And it's just like my inbox is full of this happy, beautiful art all the time. And it's a thrill and I love it. And I get so like happy. Um, but yeah, when it's cat, I know it's going to be amazing and wonderful and that she's going to completely understand what I'm meaning to say, what I want to communicate, what she wants to communicate. And there's also the nice thing of her being like, hey, babe, come here and look at this. How does how does this feel to you? Is is this what you wanted or should I change this? Or what do you think like this one or this one? And and that's fun, too. And I can do the same thing, you know, when I'm reading before I turn in a script, I can say to her, like, does this make sense? Is there anything that needs to be more clear? Do you know what I'm wanting from this and all that stuff? So it's it's really great. You have you have a very broad resume. Obviously, you've written you know written for comics, cartoons, talk shows, you know web format things. Uh, you you have acted. You have IMDb acting credits. You know what what is something that you get out of writing for comics that that maybe those other uh, media don't scratch quite as much or or in the same way. There's a lot of. Um... There's a lot of freedom with writing comics uh, that other mediums sometimes because of financial reasons, budget, whatever. It's a it, there's it's a little bit freer um, in a lot of ways. You know, if I want to take Wonder Woman to outer space, I can take Wonder Woman to outer space, and you know, it might be a pain in the ass for the artist who needs to draw a million stars, but it's not the same kind of budgetary like, haha, that's cute. We're doing TV. She's gonna be in a meeting room because that's what we can afford or we can't you know even with animation like with he-man or whatever like there's still when you're doing um the kind of like 3d animation situations um you new characters cost money so like there's still Mm. limitations with what you can do um so that's a big part of it also just like comics are fun and the collaboration and like I said, the inbox is full of beautiful art uh, is like such a fun thing. It's just incredible to write something and then you get beautiful, beautiful images back and you're like, wow, this is so cool. Um, so I just, I, it's something that I would always want to do no matter what else I was doing, because it is the thing that I enjoy the most out of everything that I do. Fantastic. Uh, what are you, what are you reading right now? Huh. I wish I had time to read more things. This is the hardest thing um, is that I stay behind on everything. And then um, and then when I am reading, like right now, the things that I'm reading, I are like mostly research based. So it's like reading things to catch up on a character that I'm working on or like re-going over something. Um, I wish that I was as caught up on literally anything or had the time I'm looking forward to a time when I am not so swamped with deadlines that I can start reading more (laughs) it's my sad sad answer (laughs) listen we're all like that (laughs) true that's the truth I know it's like you have my two reads stack on my bedside (laughs) table is at this point um maybe like a death hazard if there's if there's an earthquake soon I might die from my two read stack Matt, did you unmute yourself to agree? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, my wife actually said, okay, you need to either make this two piles or you have to move it the one pile somewhere else because this is going to fall and this is going to crush the cat. 
Yeah, I'm about there. And my wife's name is Kat, so that might be the cat that's crushed, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh god yeah no uh, i just i just went to a convention this weekend so uh the jenga tower got a little bit taller <laughs> that's always what i know that's the thing i go to conventions i buy a whole bunch more books and i'm like cool i'm just gonna set these right on top of this mm-hmm. and i'll get to it when i'm dead you walk away you hear a low rumble and you're just really like mm-hmm. uh-oh but you know <laughs> gotta go make a cup of coffee so <laughs> um do you have any pets? Yes, we have two cats. They are named Raven and Starfire. My God. Very nice. That Our daughter amazing. named them. Um, but obviously for Teen Titans reasons. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, now is she, uh, is your daughter like Teen Titans Go? Which which version? Yeah, of, she's, of- she's very Teen Titans Go. Um, actually, she's been watching like nothing but Teen Titans Go all week. Um very Teen Titans Go, which was fun because I've written some Teen Titans Go comics. Yeah. Um, so that it's fun when you get to be cool uh, to your kid. But yeah, she's very, very Teen Titans Go right now. I mean, she has seen some of the other Teen Titans animated series, but mm-hmm. you know, the, the humor of Teen Titans Go is really she's seven. So that hits her sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Do the cat's personalities fit the names? They do. That's what's crazy. So Raven is our all black cat and she's really like broody and kind of aloof. And then Starfire is like the spaz who's also very cuddly and like in everybody's faces, but is also like a bit of a bully and like all over Raven in a way that Raven's like, leave me alone. And Starfire's like, but love me, play with me. And so, yes, they it it is wild. They completely fit. You know, I just realized so I, I have two miniature dachshunds, but it, that's the same vibe there there is one that just wants to sort of curl up and be left alone and the other that is all over not just her but everybody in the house mm-hmm. demanding love and also to basically just get her tongue everywhere but uh yeah my dogs are a lot like cats and meanwhile i currently have one cat who has remained you know, she is Queen Bess. She is, you know, will be on your lap and will give you love at her leisure, which is all the time. And when our old cat who passed, Cal, he was like, hello, I will love you. I'm going to come to you and I'm going to love you. And the Bess is like, no, he's mine. <laughs> Whap on the nose. Go away. That's amazing. Ah, <sighs> oh, that's a great. Well... <laughs> Um, Amanda, this has been a, a fantastic hour. Final question before we release you back into the world. Uh, how can people follow you online and keep up with everything that you're doing? Well, for as long as uh, as long as we're hanging on Twitter, uh, that's where I am the most, at least right now, which is at Amanda Dibert. And on Instagram, I'm at Amanda Dibert Official. Um, and that's kind of it for me for social media now i i'm too much of a dinosaur to learn mastodon i think uh but we'll see oh i'm on tiktok too that's amanda dybert i'm trying to learn tiktok right now it's a whole it's a whole thing but uh yeah so that's where people can find me and then um i have my amandadybert.com website which i try to keep updated with projects as soon as they're announced so that's a good place to see what i've got going on too uh, I'm, go- I'm gonna be honest just having been to your website 
you're you're doing a good job because I've seen some creator websites that are, you know, still teasing comics that are coming out in 2019. So it's hard because you know that's time and energy that you have to spend updating the website when you're supposed to be like writing all the things. So it can get it can get tricky. Oh yeah, no, no, believe me, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but uh, Amanda, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. This has been fun. That's it for this week's show. As a reminder, WMQ&A is part of Comics XF, where you can find this podcast along with our sister podcast, Battle of the Atom, and Bat Chat with Matt and Will, co-hosted by Matt Lazowitz and our bud Will Nevin. You can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Audible, and at ComicsXF.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A at Patreon.com slash WMQComics, where a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, shoutouts on the podcast, and a free comic in the mail for my collection. A $2 donation gets you a slot in the ComicsXF staff picks. A $3 donation gets you access to our bonus podcast, Our Son Pete, a deep dive into the appearances of British mutant super spy Pete Wisdom, and a $50 donation lets you advertise on the show. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis, Robert Secundus, Cap Purcell, Liz Large, and Will Nevin from ComicsXF, Carla Pacheco, Mike Sagawa, and Asimov Fangirl, a.k.a. the Loyalist Content Consumer. You can follow WMQ&A on Twitter at WMQComics, me at Daniel P. Grote, Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013, and ComicsXF at ComicsXF. And until next week, remember, Pete Wisdom was actually the first character to ever say, to me, my X-Men. WMQA.